Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP cleverly kicks an entitled Karen out of her apartment. Background, I got a job working for a small hardware company. Four people in the office, a few in the warehouse, and a delivery driver. Nothing fancy, but it got me off the night shift and onto a desk. The owner was a pretty nice guy, let's call him Ray. Ray took over the family business in the early 2000s. Like most small business owners, he was pretty frugal. The job came with absolutely zero perks. 10 vacation days that doubled to sick days, no insurance, everyone was hourly, and Ray hated paying overtime. He had one large customer that accounted for about half his business, and everything after that was profit. He had gotten to the point where his business was doing well enough to support his comfortable life. 10-3 to schedule, 4 weeks vacation, season baseball tickets, and had zero interest in growing it beyond that point. But my problem wasn't with Ray, it was with the absolute bitch in the purchasing department. The players. Four people in the office meant that every part of the business fell to one of us. Ray was the owner. He negotiated large-scale orders both with customers and suppliers. Sarah was our admin and receptionist, sweet as pie. I was in charge of order processing and logistics, and I did quite a bit of work revamping the company website. Ingrid, aka Bitch Supreme, handled small-scale purchasing and most of the other customers. Ingrid was a living nightmare sent to punish all mankind for our hubris. She had the personality of a one-dimensional Stephen King character that would be whipping an unruly mob into a frenzy. She was trash, plain and simple. She was also the most spiteful, hate-filled, vindictive Gorgon to ever walk God's green earth. She was a born-again Christian, so because she went to church every Sunday, she thought she could do no wrong. Ingrid, for whatever reason, disliked me from my first day. I don't know if she saw me as a threat or was just having a mood swing. I'm no psychologist, but I'm 98% sure she was bipolar. But she was not happy about me joining the company. She kept it civil at first. Ingrid loved to gossip at anybody who would listen, and since I was always at my desk, I made for a captive audience. Everything she said was vile and mean-spirited, and most of it was blatant projection. She would complain about which actress she didn't like because they were too fat. Ingrid was easily north of the 300-pound mark. Or had an annoying voice. Ingrid had a slight lisp. She would thump her Bible to the tune of how the gays were destroying the sanctity of marriage. She was twice divorced. And complain about how Obamacare was costing her too much money. She had no insurance for herself or her kids. She had a handful of pre-existing conditions. She just hated Obama. She would tell stories about how she was with her son at the grocery store and he yelled at a Polish woman to speak American or get out of the country like she was proud of it. All in, just the worst person I've ever had to work with. In spite of all that, I felt I could just ignore Ingrid's BS and do my job, but then she started focusing her dislike of me into petty hatred. The spiral downward. Ingrid would take anything and everything personally. If I didn't say good morning to her, she would complain to Ray I was being rude. Ray knew she had a screw loose, so he dismissed it. She didn't like that. She started trying to frame me for not entering orders that she claimed to have given me a week ago. I quickly put that BS to bed by date stamping every order that came across my desk and checking with her, Ray, and Sarah for new orders every hour on the hour. Every time something went wrong, her knee-jerk reaction was to blame me and throw me under the bus. The breaking point. One of our larger customers bought from us because their purchaser was a friend of Ingrid's. She made the connection between the businesses and Ray gave her a decent commission from it. Through a friend of a friend, I had met a different purchaser from another large manufacturing company that uses products very similar to ours. 
Ray told me if I could get them to submit a sample order, he would give me the same kind of commission, but that it was all on me because drumming up new business was extra work that he didn't want to do. Now, like I said, this job had no perks, so any shot at extra cash was a godsend. I rode my desk hard, my phone, my email, chasing this lead like a hungry dog. Finally, I got the purchasers to agree to submit the order. I was over the moon. Enter Ingrid. This whole time, she was pouring doubt and skepticism over the entire venture. Really, she just didn't want anybody else to achieve what she had. Sarah was on vacation, so Ingrid had taken over front desk duties for the week. I don't hear back from the purchaser, ever. Eventually, I get a hold of him a month later and ask when he was going to send the sample order. He told me that he had called a few weeks back, and that the lady he spoke to said that our company didn't have the capacity to supply what they wanted. I ask him what day he called. Turns out, it was during the week Ingrid was answering phones. Okay, act like human garbage, whatever, I don't care. Try to make me look bad at work, screw you, I'll rise above. Sabotage my chance for a substantial raise, now you've awoken the dragon. I was trying to save up for a down payment on a house, and Ingrid thinks she can put my future on hold? Nope, not happening. I vowed that vengeance would be mine. The Revenge Ingrid had been taking online and night courses at a local community college because she wanted to become a therapist. I wish I was making that up. And was currently working towards her associate degree. Ingrid was about as smart as she was skinny, kind-hearted, and pleasant. She often did her classwork in the office after Ray had left for the day. One day, she asked me if I can take an online quiz for her. Now, I'm still furious at her for taking my commission, so I'm not about to do her any favors. But then she says something that I'm sure I've never heard her say before. Please. This was followed by, It's an earth science quiz and I can't lie. Freeze frame, record scratch. I need to process that sentence. I can't lie was clearly BS because she lied to my purchaser. It also was a huge paradox because here she was asking me to take a test for her. But she didn't mean any of that. She meant, I can't lie and deny my faith on an earth science quiz because I believe that the earth was created in literally seven days and is only about 6,000 years old and humans lived at the same times as dinosaurs. She needed someone who knew and understood what the Cretaceous period was to pass a test to keep her from failing. And just like that, I had my plan on a silver platter. Sure, I could tank the test and she would have to repeat the class, and that would be inconvenient, or I could be a real son of a bee. I opted for the latter. I told her that I would take the test, and any other, for 20 bucks. Earth Science 101, Spanish 101, Intro to Psychology, a therapist that couldn't even pass an intro-level psych class. God help us all quizzes, tests, I ended up making 200 bucks by the end of the semester. Then, she comes to me with a request I've been waiting for. Hey, OP, I need to write a research paper. Do you know how to do that? 50 bucks later and I have the assignment in front of me. It's laughable. Five pages double-spaced. Doesn't even need to be AMA. An 8th grader could pound it out in an hour or two. But lazy, stupid morons will be lazy, stupid morons. Now, around this time, I had gotten an offer from a much larger company downtown and was going to put in my two weeks once Ray got back from one of his mini vacations. I had an opportunity to ruin her life and an exit strategy. I set to work. I literally googled research paper for class name and grabbed the first one that popped up. 
I change nothing but the name and the date. I put in my two weeks, and the week before I leave, I give Ingrid her paper. She doesn't even proofread it. She just turns it in and goes along her merry way. What happened next? I heard secondhand from Sarah after I left. The professor immediately knew it was plagiarized and got the dean involved. Ingrid was so stupid that she even tried to use the truth as an excuse. I didn't plagiarize that paper. The guy I had been paying to do all my coursework did it. She was expelled from the Institution for Academic Dishonesty and Plagiarism, barred from any of the satellite schools or affiliate programs, and refused a refund on her tuition. Her dream of becoming a therapist shattered into dust as all of the nearby community colleges were part of the affiliate program. She was financially ruined, left with no savings, and a semester of student loan debt. On my last day, I made sure to poke my head into her office and say, Thank you, Ingrid, for everything I learned from you while working here. I hope you learned something from me as well. (laughs) OP, I would have loved to see her face when you said that. I feel like she must have popped a vein. Our next Reddit post is from Personal Distance. I used to work in hospitality in a metro known for its obscenely huge tourist population. You know, the city built around the mouse. So for clarity, OP is talking about Orlando, Florida. I was a manager for the recreational division of the hotel. So one day, my boss, who we'll call Mary for the purposes of the story, comes into the shared manager's office and starts rummaging around for something and strikes up a small conversation about work-related minutiae with me. It's important to note she's actually two tiers above me, but was acting as head of department while searching to replace my previous boss who recently quit. Great guy, by the way. Huge loss to the company. As we're talking, she abruptly stops and says, By the way, you need to shave your beard. You look like a terrorist, and I don't employ terrorists. Haha, funny joke between colleagues, right? Nope. I'm half Indian and do look Middle Eastern and have been taking this kind of flack since middle school. Plus, we're not close. At all. So I reply as calmly as I can muster, Hey, I get you're trying to be funny, but on my end, it comes off as pretty ignorant. So I'd appreciate it if you chilled out with the terrorist stuff. To which Mary retorts, Oh, I'm ignorant. We'll see how ignorant I am during your annual review. And proceeds to walk out of the room in a huff. My jaw drops so low I could taste the floor. You would think it was an easy fix, right? Go to HR and all. She's made rude comments like this before. I've refrained from contacting HR because I didn't want to be petty, but now she threatened my pay, and that's no bueno. So I go to HR like a good boy and tell the HR director, who we'll call Boyd. I explicitly ask him not to mention it to anyone, just to log it away in case someone else reports something similar and he can establish a pattern of behavior. Well, Boyd decides that he simply must talk to Mary about it. I stress again that I'm not comfortable with it, since she strikes me as the vindictive type. No good. He promises there will be no retaliation and tells me he'll contact me later for a statement, which I thought was weird. Why not make a statement now? And that was that. About a week goes by and I follow up with Boyd because I've been getting some less than pleasant vibes from Mary. Nothing substantial, but odd. When I ask what happened, he tells me, Well, it appears that Mary was just joking, but she's agreed to never say anything like that again. Your annual review is not in jeopardy. Okay, at that point, I decide to just let it go. Fast forward a month, a new director for our department is hired, and surprise, surprise, it's her roommate and former front desk supervisor, Joe. Okay, cool. 
I'm used to nepotism because the entire hotel basically operates that way. Whatever. Never had an issue with him. Didn't know him too well, but I'm happy our little hive has a leader again. Man, how effing naive I was. From the get-go, he's unpleasant. Snide comments left and right, changing my schedule at the last minute every week, or scheduling me on my established days off. Giving away opportunities to my peers that I'm never considered for. Making me take improvement classes none of my peers have to take. All strange, but up to that point, nothing earth-shattering until one day I get written up out of the blue. First ever write-up, by the way. For refusing to inform a superior of leaving the premises. Referring to me leaving the day prior without literally saying the words, Hey, Joe, I'm leaving for the day. 1. This is not an established policy written or otherwise. When I say I'm leaving, it's a courtesy. 2. I know for a fact my peers don't always say when they leave, personal observation, and was corroborated by them after asking around. 3. Knowing that my peers aren't held to the same bogus standard and having never been written up for it, I know this is a direct shot at me. My review is screwed. Best part? Joe let it slip that Mary asked for me after I left, and when it was found that I was indeed gone, she requested the write-up. That was screw-up number two, lady. Number three came when Boyd decided to cover his own butt when I approached him with all the evidence pointing to retaliation and discrimination in the workplace. I learned that he never properly documented his discussion with me or Mary, and that he's basically playing the whole effing thing by ear. I decided to write my long past-due statement then and there, turn it in, and email a picture copy to the corporate office. I tell Boyd that I am sorely disappointed about how he handled the issue, and he responds by accusing me of dramatizing the whole ordeal. He's very flippant about the whole thing, rolling his eyes and everything. Okay, buddy, I see you now. So, finally we've reached the revenge. After some time, I scrounge up all the evidence I can. My write-up, my coworkers' write-up records, with their permission, company policy manuals, my schedules for the past month, including the bogus classes only I was made to attend, my coworkers' schedules, witness statements, from peers when Mary had said other demeaning things, and a few other items. Next step, I tell off Joe, because F him. I make sure he's very angry when I leave. You'll see why later. After crossing my T's and dotting my I's, I resigned with a two-week notice. That night, I type up a letter to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and attach all my evidence. I mention Mary, Boyd, and Joe by first and last name. I hint that I am pondering a lawsuit. A few weeks later, I have my girlfriend call my old job pretending to be a potential employer asking for a reference. I give her the extension to Joe's desk. As I predicted, he slanders the ever-loving bejesus out of me. Straight up lies. Even got my resignation date wrong along with my attendance record. All verifiable, helping my case. I tried the same trick with Boyd, but he was smart enough to point my girlfriend in the direction of a third-party reference dollar the company is supposed to use for these kind of calls. I proceed to send my old employer, corporate included, a cease and desist letter with a transcript of the call, hinting I may sue for slander. The result... Some time passes, and the other day, I'm at the bank with my girlfriend. I get a call from an old coworker. I miss the call, but I resign to call him back later. Less than an hour later, I get five to six calls and texts informing me that Mary, Joe, and Boyd were all fired the same day and walked out of the building. Mary cried. Apparently, the corporate office was contacted by the EEOC and launched their own internal investigation, matching their records with my evidence. 
The EEOC sent me a return letter with a company statement, which was fallacious as anything, due to their interviews with the Three Stooges. But nonetheless, I suppose they decided it was easier to nip it in the bud and sack their butts to be safe. Karma may be a bitch, but in this case, she had nothing to effing do with it. Our next Reddit post is from You Might Know Me Mate. In college, my two friends and I decided to find a place together off campus. We found a beautiful three-bedroom house with surprisingly affordable rent. The basement of the house was listed as a separate apartment, but as it had a separate entrance and the indoor stairwell had been blocked off, we weren't worried. And the thermostat was upstairs. Then the demon neighbor moved in. From upstairs, we could hear everything. This adult woman would call her mother and scream at her to pay for her cell phone bills and give her grocery money, aka Taco Bell and cheap tequila. She would scream at whatever guy she was sleeping with to bring her meth. And one day, she brought home three puppies to scream at, too. We were terrified of this woman, and the noise was torture. Also, we'd been idiotic enough to sign a lease stating we were responsible for all utilities, period. Meaning we were now financing her gas, water, and electric. But with only two months left on the lease, we thought we could just write it out. But then she started smoking. Constantly. According to the landlord, she'd quit for good when she signed the lease, but for good only lasted two days. Since it was winter, the heat was running nearly 24-7 and the smoke was wafting up from the vents. Our apartment and all our belongings began to reek with smoke. We contacted the landlord because we signed for a bloody non-smoking apartment. He told us we lived in a state where you could technically call an apartment non-smoking even if it shared ventilation with a smoking apartment. F you leasing laws. At this point, my two roommates were heading out for a two-week vacation. They were online students while I was residential, leaving me alone in the apartment with the demon smoker in the basement. I couldn't sleep or eat because my idiotic stomach decided to react to all the secondhand smoke by aching and cramping constantly. After three days, I was a little insane. I made a plan. I checked the forecast. Lows in the 20s all week. I borrowed a friend's ultra-insulated sleeping bag. I bought one of those ski masks with the holes for your eyes and mouth. I got out my stocking cap, my silk-long underwear, my woolen socks, and my down parka. I bought tea, hot cocoa, ramen, and prepared to live off a diet of hot liquids. And I turned off the effing heat. Day one, she's screaming at her mother for forcing her to move into this frozen pigsty of an apartment. Day two, she's screaming at her boyfriend, or meth dealer, because he won't let her move in with him. Day three, she's screaming at the landlord about how she's effing freezing. Day four, the landlord is at my door. (laughs) I greet him in full ski mask, parka, stocking cap array, looking like I'm heading out to rob Santa Claus at the North Pole. He asks me if I don't find it a little chilly in the house. I reply I'd found all the cigarette smoke a little warm. Day 5. She's screaming about the jerks upstairs to anyone who will listen. And I'm sitting upstairs clutching my car keys and my pepper spray with 911 typed into my phone. She finally decides she's effing leaving and moving in with Greg. Even though he just got out for stabbing Travis and he lives in that effing creepy house in the woods with all those butthole biting dogs. Day six, she's gone. I silently bless Greg. Moral of the story, there's a bloody reason the rent seems too good to be true. I guess that's what you call giving someone the cold shoulder. 
That was r slash entitled parents. And if you like this video, then hit that subscribe button because I put out new Reddit videos every single day.